Welcome back to Torah Psych 101. As we are approaching the end of the reading of the entire Torah, we get to Simcha's Torah, which is coming up next week. I felt it would be good to just say a short uh, short thought on Parshas Zosabracha. So, interestingly, we've been talking about Moshe's impending death for the past few Parshas, and now in Zosabracha, um, his time has come as the end of the leader of Klal Yisrael, at least um, in in person, and it's time for him to pass over the baton, so to speak, to Yoshua. And we know that Moshe was the greatest leader of all time, and he was very much beloved by all of the people. And yet we find an interesting contrast when it talks about the death of Moshe as opposed to the death of his brother Aaron. It says that when Moshe died, that Bnei Yisrael mourned and cried over his death. However, when Aaron dies, it says that Vayivku called Beis Yisrael, and all of the house of Yisrael, they cried. So why is it that when Moshe dies, the Torah leaves out the word kol? So the Arachayim HaKadosh, he, as he likely uh, says in a lot of cases, he always um, and tries to infuse a psychological yisod, which obviously falls in line with Torah Psych 101. And he suggests the following psychological theory, that when Aaron died, the people weren't necessarily expecting his death. It just says that Moshe didn't come down the mountain with Aaron, and the people still believed that Aaron was was still alive. They weren't. They were kind of in a state of denial. But when they found out that he had in fact died, they were all shocked by the death of Aaron, and therefore, this is why they all cried. And it uses the word "kol." Moshe, on the other hand, he he's been giving us a lot of uh, warning that he's about to die. So when Bnei Israel heard that he died. He, they kind of mentally prepared themselves for this, and that really softened the, the blow, so to speak, of the death of Moshe. And many times in life we psychologically, so to speak, try to soften the blow when we hear of impending bad news. And we even prepare for something that, that may not happen. So in order to soften the blow, we mentally prepare for the possibility of a negative event. For example, and this is something typical that I was talking with my daughter about and she always said yeah i can't stand these types of people these are the type of people that they're taking a test let's say it's a college test and it's supposed to be a pretty difficult test and after you take the test you don't know exactly how well you did so you go around telling everyone that you probably failed the test and a lot of times that person actually did the best in the whole entire class and it really annoys us but by saying that you failed the test it um this way if you don't fail you uh, or, or if you do fail, you actually soften the blow. And if you happen to do well on the test, it's a pleasant surprise. So there's a sports journalist by the name of Matt Fitzgerald who also discusses this idea, but in the context of sports. And he says that expecting to feel bad during a race will actually enhance performance rather than decrease performance, which is kind of counterintuitive to what we would originally uh, what we would think. Um, as being positive, you know, we try to be very positive about our outcomes and hope for a positive outcome. But he reasons that people who are thinking too positively about their abilities, they suffer a greater degree of letdown as opposed to those 
who set up the possibility that things might actually uh, be challenging. But if you take a more positive approach that it won't be that bad, and in fact it does turn out bad, you're more likely to feel more despondent and quit early. That's what he he, uh, postulates. And I've heard both sides of this argument, and I somewhat agree with Mr. Fitzgerald when it comes to sports performance that no team or no individual will win all games, and people become kind of depressed when their team loses. And that's because they haven't mentally prepared themselves for their team to lose or for themselves to lose. Therefore, they become down. And when it comes to the performance of others, especially those that are in leadership roles, we're equally let down or even more let down when our leaders fail or they pass away due to the lack of what we would call mental preparedness. So when Moshe Rabbeinu passes away, B'nai Yisrael were sad but not all B'nai Israel, because many of them had mentally prepared for this event as if to soften the, uh, the blow. So as we go through life, it's a good idea to prepare for less, um, I would say, optimal outcomes while maintaining a general positive attitude by saying, I hope it goes well, and leaving it at that. And that's what we verbalize. But we, what we should uh, mentally prepare for is the possibility that life's challenges might not necessarily allow for the outcome that we hope for. And this in no way should make us more pessimistic about the future. It's simply a method to adjust our thinking so that we can prepare for a transfer of power or a possible leadership letdown. So Moshe transfers the power to Yeshua, which we know from learning Perkyavos and learning from the Parsha, which, and this gave B'nai Yisrael a sense of hope in the future because we know that Yoshua is going to do a good job. And what we should be doing with our own children in terms of chinuch is to give them hope for the future concurrent with providing them with the tools to confront the challenges and deal with the disappointments if their future expectations don't live up to what they hoped for. And that's good chinuch, and that's what we should all use with our children and students. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a guten cholamoed and uh, Mirta Shem, I'll put on a podcast for the last days of Yantif.